0: Welcome to Lorenzo Africa podcast. Lorenzo Africa is a small business podcast that hopes to create a community for small businesses to come together and share in their highs and lows of doing business. We support the process of seeing African small businesses thrive, impact, and transforming communities. Today is officially episode three. Uh, So welcome to all the listeners. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Today's episode, we've got um, Alderman Davids, who is the founder of Mr. Fresh. Um, And Mr. Fresh is a company that delivers fresh produce to your doorstep. Uh it was founded in two thousand and seventeen. And I believe their motto is you have to avocado try it. I don't know if I'm saying it right. So um Vinny's gonna let us know more about that. Uh so Aldovan uh welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, Lorenzo team. I really appreciate being here. Um thank you so much for you know inviting us and yeah, that we are happy to be here.
0: Fantastic. Uh, So, Eldervin Davids, do you want to let the listeners know a little bit about yourself before we get into the episode?
1: Okay, sure. So, um, my name is Eldervin Davids, but I go by the name Vinny as well. Uh, Most people know me as Vinny, except for my neighbors, who for the last year have been calling me Villy and I just haven't had the guts to correct them. Um, So if you see me and they call me Villy, we just go with it. Um, That's just our part and parcel of what it is. That's my name to them. But I am, yeah, I'm the founder of Mr. Fresh, um, selling fresh produce um, delivered to your home. Um, I have been in business for some time. I initially had a company um, in visual communication doing photography, video um, design, and as well as event coordination. So running a business and being involved in a business is something that I've always had to do and wanted to do. Um, So I enjoy the process of being in a business, starting a business, running a business, working with people. Um, And yeah, I am the father of a little boy by the name of Nebaske. He is five years, five months old, not five years, almost um, five months old. Um, on the 26th, and he's actually joining us here today. Never scare, he's in the Aww. middle of his right now. Um, <laughs> so he promised that he would be quiet, um, unless, of course, he has an opinion and he wants to say something because he is Master Fresh. Since I'm Mr. Fresh, um, Mrs. Fresh is at work today, so I am not babysitting, I'm not babysitting, I am parenting. Um, this thing of babysitting, ugh, it's nonsense. I'm a dad, most he's most my child, as is- well. Yes. Um, so yeah, he's with me today and I'm with him and yeah, that that is me. I'm 32 years old. I am um one of three children and yeah, yes. I've got a fiance who's a nurse. Her name is Vion and shout out to her because she's listening now to hey love hello. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's me.
0: Jeez, I uh, I love all the passion, the passion you have for your family. And evidently, the passion you have for business, um, doing business, being part of it, owning one, working with with one. Um, So this is clearly going to be a great show. Um, I believe the first question I just wanted to ask you is, you have a keen eye as a photographer, I believe. (laughs) And so I wanted to find out, how did you go from a visual arts, um, photography sort of background to whole food sector. How did that transition come about for Mr. Fresh?
1: A big part of it, it was forced. Um, Ah. Straight up, it was forced. So they say that there's two reasons why people go into into business. You are either um, forced, you know, to make something happen, make something work, um, or you have, you know, um, it's something that you can do on the side and that you can grow, um, but you want to be involved in business. It's a passion of yours and it's something that you want to do. So I've got both sides. Um, Photography is... Something that I started with someone who's still involved in Mr. Fresh as well. Um, My very first business partner, Ayanda Konzi. And um, him and I, we did that. The unfortunate part of it is I also have a heart condition um, with a pacemaker, which I have had since I was 16 years old. So Mm -hmm. photography and video and editing along with that means long nights, long hours on your feet, Long hours in front of the computer, um, at events, doing weddings, uh, all those kinds of things. It just it got too much. Um, I mean, so I, I've even had open heart surgery in 2010, um, and this is my sixth pacemaker that I have in my chest wow. right now. So it really has been a matter of I was forced. Because it just got too much—the um, the pressure of being on my feet, the pressure of delivering the product, the product, and the pressure of because when we started that business, we were still quite naive, and there were some things that we didn't know that we didn't know, and we figured we found them out along the way. So there were some sustainability issues as well. So things like you know um, paying someone else to do the editing, um, there was problems with our costing that couldn't allow for that to happen. So which resulted in me having to do a lot of the things um, since the, there was, you know, we've got diff- we have had different sides of the business and each person had their own skills. And I was the one that was doing the photography and the video, and it's not a very easy skill that you can just transfer overnight um, for someone to pick up the editing or to pick up the photography. So it really got to a point where it was forced. Um, I, after our initial business, I still, I went, I was in recruitment. Um, and I left the entire business world, I was doing recruitment and sales um, to the extent that I realized that this is not going to work. This is not going to be something that I'm going to just be um, sitting and doing for the rest of my life. And I started with extra income um, selling peppers, uh, red peppers, mm-hmm. yellow peppers and green peppers. So bell peppers. I drove out yeah. to and which is up the West coast. It's about 200 kilometers odd from where I I am, which is in Marmersbury Cape town. Mm. And I would drive there, get bags of peppers and then bring them down and then start selling them at the local market um, on a Saturday, like a little farmer's market. And basically that's where it came out of where I realized, yo, you know, people want these products. They are fresh. People are willing to buy them. um, Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. This is something that I could do. And slowly but surely built it from that um, where it was literally out of I, I'm, I need to have an income. I'm unable mm. to just work um, a job for the rest of my life because I was not happy. Mm. I, was not, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy what I was doing, not so much the work itself, but I was always working for someone that I didn't want to work for. Um, unfortunately, mm. that is the case when you are, which where I started was labor brokering which is a very unethical field in its own. And it's got a lot of issues and problems where exploitation is involved and where it didn't sit well with my psyche. So with going into Mr. Fresh from photography, it really was. It was a matter of you got to do something and you got to earn some money. How exactly is it that you're going to do it? And that's how the transition happened from photography all the way through to Whole Foods. And this is where we are.
0: It's actually quite a beautiful journey. And I think that's what most uh, business find, you know, founders would say, I was sitting at home, fiddling with something. And before you know it, that's how I started. Um, And I believe you're based in Marmosbury. So Mm -hmm. Mr. Fresh is currently operating in Marmosbury, the Western Cape.
1: That is correct. Malmesbury, the Western Cape, and then, well, Malmesbury and Cape Town. So most of our Mm. customers are in Cape Town as far as Kailicha, Strandfontein, and then up until, we don't do the Winelands, but then Malmesbury Mm -hmm. is included in it as well.
0: So how would you say um, COVID-19 has sort of um, impacted on your ability to reach Beyond the marmosberry community, which I believe 2017 is, is where the heart of
1: Mr. Fresh was. Look, so it started out part-time um, in 2007, mm. and I've only actually been full-time in this business since last year, August. so mm-hmm. we are just less than a year old full time, um, mm-hmm. where we've I've managed to get my first um, functions venue, which was in Cape yes. Town. And they were really a leg up in terms of like, okay, cool. I have one contract that I can work on and I can build from there. And mm-hmm. from August, we built that. And we slowly but surely, we started to gain the trust of um, restaurants here in Malmesbury. And I managed mm-hmm. to then land three re- restaurants here in Marmersbury and continue to service them. And came come February, end of February, say March, we mm-hmm. actually finally turned a profit we were like okay now we can actually invest in growing this business because when i started in 2017 all i had was my car so it was so embarrassing you you pitch up at these people's (laughs) places and i mean you're selling food right fresh produce and you come with a sedan and you're bringing food to people and like but people drive in this and is it clear that whole idea. Is it clean? Is it safe? And, you know, mm. I felt really bad because, like, I don't want to present food like this, but I didn't have much of a choice because you know, you've got to do what you have, what you what you can. And slowly mm. but surely, moved up to where we had a trailer. I could buy my dad's um, trailer from him, and we started using that to deliver to, um, to, to, to restaurants. And the first one, well, the first function venue was Kelvin Grove. And we started out there with them, and Slowly but surely, we grew and we grew and come March, I think it was the beginning of March, Mm. profit and then COVID came and everything stopped. yes. Everything went dead. Mind you, the last Mm. couple of months, I've just registered on the CSD. I've just Mm. um, started getting onto the city of Cape Town supplier database. Everything was going and moving and then it just stopped. Because of my heart condition, I mean, I could go out and I could try and work, but I have a family and I have mm. a little one. I have a fiance. I, I didn't want to put myself at risk like that because mm. I'm, with my underlying illness, if I do catch this illness, yeah, it's not very, um, it's not a very positive outlook. So True. I did not trade at all. I stopped. Mm. And we were at home um, the, back then. The missus was still on maternity leave and we were at home and we were happy to stay at home until I realized apologies about that until I realized that this thing's not going to just go away anytime soon. Like this is going to be with us for a much longer time than what we initially thought. So I can't just sit at home. I need to figure out something and I need to do something and Actually, this is such a surprising thing. COVID was actually an introduction or reintroduction rather to Cape Town homes for home deliveries. Mm. So while it had its downfalls, it also had um, a positive aspect for my business because now mm. people were looking for suppliers that can deliver to their homes. Whereas before, I'd only have one or two clients in Cape Town that wouldn't make it worthwhile. So I would only deliver to homes in Marmersbury and only to restaurants in Cape Town. Mm. So, yeah, that's actually quite interesting how COVID um, was a gateway into people's homes mm. Cape, in Cape Town.
0: I think I just, I love hearing the, I mean, well, firstly, the negative side of COVID-19. We can't run away from it, the loss of lives across the world. Definitely. families just losing um, a lot of loved ones, um, and then also then seeing it translate into the economy and how it's impacting on small businesses. So I think it is a bit of a it is quite, it is quite encouraging to hear a small business saying, "Yes, there was this, um, this hurdle, but we've actually managed to find a way to, to work with it because it's here for quite a while. Um, and so, I mean, I think just to explain to our listeners, um, who are probably like, okay, so you deliver food and you go, you go to people's homes, while well, deliver it to people's doors. Um, how do I get in contact, you know, if I'm at home with my family? And so Mr. Fresh is an online, the online aspect of it. So the digital trade. Um, so I want to ask, what are your thoughts when it comes to digital trade um, and how Mr. Fresh is interacting with that space?
1: You know, three years ago when I started this and I started advertising and saying, you know, you can buy online and you can buy via WhatsApp and you can um, order via Facebook and I'll deliver to your home. It was yo, it was like dead quiet, like people didn't trust it. Um, There was problems with um, trying to get people to pay up front because I didn't develop a website and they're like, nope, cash on delivery. And if you, if you go and you deliver to them, then that's fine. Then they pay you. That's all fair and well. But like I said, you had one, two, maybe three people that were doing it uh, or that were willing to, to take your services and say, cool, I'll buy from you. And in 2020, I put up the website. I think it was the first week of April. Um, after we went and we had a look at okay, how am I going to protect myself and how am I going to protect my customers? Thankfully, my mother is an um, infection prevention control coordinator for the Department of the Western Cape, uh, the Department of um, Health in the Western Cape. and with her, we developed our policies to make sure that I'm safe firstly and then everybody else safe because if I'm safe, then that means everybody else will be safe as well because I'm taking enough precautions to make sure that nothing happens. Um, to me, mm. and then I'll pass that on, on to my customers that nothing happens to them. So when I started the website in, I think it was the first week of April, I think it was the third or the fourth of April, within mm. a day, literally, people were flocking to the website. And wow. people, people that haven't interacted with my brand before, people that mm. have never seen me necessarily before, people that don't know the name, that came across mm. an advert, so okay here's some things that I can I can buy and they're buying with instant EFTs they're buying with their credit cards online and I was actually shocked I was like yo these people are trusting how can they do this like i mean i i I, look i i consider myself to be quite savvy with buying online etc but i'm very very careful with where it is i put in my details like where it is that i'm buying from you know like i check okay is it take a lot it's like okay cool yeah i'll buy from take a lot but i won't necessarily Mm. buy from just any brand that i hear so when i saw people just like purchasing and yes, there was an aspect of it, there's a, a credibility aspect of it, that the payment gateway that we use is PayFast, which is a well-known e-commerce um, payment channel, which I think did mm. contribute a lot to it, which gave me that credibility for people to be able to like, okay, cool, no, I can trust this. And giving them the option of the um, bank deposit, where they can do an EFT from their own um, app or whatever it may be into my bank into my bank account. Slowly but surely, mm. that phased out. Most of my customers are either using instant EFT online or they're using their credit cards. So, seeing that migration happen, what if I started this three years ago, it would probably have taken a much longer time for that adoption to have happened. But for me to put mm. up a website and within a day for people to actually be like purchasing, not just looking around, browsing. But actually purchasing and something like fresh fruit and vegetables out of all things online, I was like, whoa, okay, there's definitely something that is here. So that migration from um, physical goods into the digital space where you don't know what you're buying, you're paying for it before the time already, that has evolved massively in my eyes. I didn't think that it could happen so quickly, but it did. And it has spurred me to... Focus on the digital space, focus on on the online and to rather expand in that than looking at the traditional spaces um, when we're looking at growth and those kinds of things.
2: That's quite
0: beautiful because I think um, what we've been hearing a lot um, from government is the whole notion of the fourth industrial revolution, 4IR, 4IR, e-commerce, e-commerce and a lot of the older generation are just wondering, what is that? What do you mean? Like, what, you know, what kind of business is that, um, and what's that going to do for 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 the broader um community? And to hear how a business like yours is actually thriving off um this new era we we entering into or have possibly entered into, e-commerce. How to make use of of the space that you have, whether it's your car, like you're saying. Um, and delivering goods on time and ensuring mm. that they are fresh um I was just talking to om there, um earlier, and she said, she was saying to me How much she loves the name mr fresh <laughs> uh it she just loves it she 's like it it just brings so much ease, and then when you interact with the website, the name and the product just go hand in hand, and you think like if I order from this 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 person this website, this organization, my produce are going to be fresh and they're going to be on time. And I think that's a really, really beautiful thing. And so Vinny, what would you say the role of small businesses could possibly be in the food security? I mean, it is COVID and um, a lot of countries have been discussing food security. And I believe South Africa does not have a food security issue. But we will, we are facing household food security at that level, so there are homes that are unable to access food uh, for the various class reasons, and then there are those who might not want to leave their homes at all um, out of fear of, of getting COVID. so how do, how do small businesses then then add um, or become a response to to such a such a problem?
1: You know, urban farming. Urban farming, mm. it is something that is really that we need to adopt here in South Africa before it's too late. Food security mm. is going to become a much bigger issue um, than it actually is. And that's why I was actually saying to Ayanda, who was the first investor in Mr. Fresh and still a very, very, very um, involved in all the strategic um, operations, um, mm-hmm. saying to him that if anything, out of all the businesses that we're involved in, Food needs to be something that we need to be involved in because we need to develop food security. People are not going to be able to eat not just because there isn't food and this is what i 'm mm. seeing also with um with with where we are and what we 've gone through is that accessibility to food. Mm. People- to get to the supermarket, being able to get from the farm to the supermarket because of roads, because of cars, because of um, any sort of disruptions in that chain. So urban farming, like I really see us migrating and I hope that this does happen. I see us migrating to a world where we have got little pods um, where you can rather in this particular area, You have certain urban farmers that are growing certain things. Um, I have a friend of mine who does microgreens, and one of the only reasons why we haven't stocked the microgreens is just because they are quite um, delicate. Um, It's a little bit difficult to to transport them. Um, From harvesting to table, you need to have a constant um, cold chain um, that is unbroken, which unfortunately we've not been able to do just as yet. But he does microgreens which is fantastic. He's in Durbanville and I can get my microgreens from him. But if I'm in Mm. Durbanville and I need potatoes or I need onions, then I need to get the stuff from Cirrus or I need to get the stuff from Mm. Sandvall, which is 100 kilometers, 150 kilometers, which sounds like nothing. Now it is. But later we're going to have problems. So these little pods of urban farming, I think that's really where it it is that we need to head. If we look at the UK and um, the US... They've got things where they've got vertical farms where they're growing in warehouses and people like in, the, wow. in their little rooms where it is that they are all sorts of things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the full-scale traditional vegetable. Micro vegetables have got so much more nutrition than the, the, the full-scale vegetable. And they're easy to grow, short period of time, and it costs a little bit less in order for you to actually produce them. Your yield that you can grow out of that is also much more. It's a quicker turnaround time um, where you can get from your neighbor to your area where you were growing for a specific area. So I hope and I pray that that's the, the route that we're going to go to. But if we're going to solve the security issue as far as food is concerned, I think one of the mm. biggest issues we need to look at is accessibility. Um, mm. the supply, it could still be there. I mean, we'll have problems with our environment. Yes, sure. But accessibility, I think, is going to be a major, major issue. This whole thing of COVID has really taught me the value of local, purchasing local, um yeah. spending local buying local everything local so what has worked for, for for um or what has been told to us is we need to go to your nearest supermarket right and you need mm. to buy from your nearest supermarket but there's only one supermarket that's here and that's you save sorry i shouldn't say mm. it's 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 uh, um it's, it's 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 not your usual um, shop that you would go to for example mm. But that one now is in town, which is further from where you are staying in the rural area. Yeah. And now you can't get the stuff that you usually get. And that mm. becomes a problem because perhaps now this, this um, supermarket doesn't have the things that you'd usually need. And maybe you're lactose intolerant. Maybe you can't take glu- gluten. Maybe your body is allergic to that. But this particular supermarket doesn't stock that. So what now? So, having that accessibility like close to you in your area, I think that's what's going to um, solve our 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 issues or not it's going to contribute to solving the problem to food security
0: Sharks, I think the accessibility one is something that um, when the lockdown regulations uh, were were announced by the President of South Africa. Um, started to really come to the fore for a lot of families that um, find themselves in in impoverished um, um, situations mm-hmm. is how are we going to feed um, how are we going to feed everyone under um, this roof and so I believe you've partnered with ladders of love
1: ladles uh, of could love could you us?
0: Yeah. ladles There we go thank you ladles of love
1: yes ladles of ladles
0: of love. Please can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that's also sort of played a role um, in trying to ensure that accessibility to some degree. Of course, it doesn't answer all the problems, yeah. uh, but this one impact that it's having.
1: So, yeah, no, that, I mean, I, I think how that was born was when I saw this influx of customers um, and how busy it is that we, we were and the amount of people that were ordering from us Um, one of the things that I was like, hold on, wait a second, I can't eat alone. This is not right. And I actually started to feel guilty. And this is is, um, part of me that I still fight with. It's like, hey, should I be involved in business? Like, do I have the capitalism for this (laughs) (laughs) in order to, you know, make this work? Um, But I really think that we can be um, socially conscious and still be involved in a business. Um, and it, it started with a conversation with another friend of mine who's a comedian, uh, Martin Evans, and he stays in town in, in Bree Street, and I would always see him posting things uh, about people that are living on the streets um, out on that side, and he has a real passion for it, and it really was that I was like, look, I need an, I need an, I need an outlet. I need to be able to, to connect with how it is that I know I don't have a lot of time, I don't have a lot of resources and I don't have a lot of energy. So I can't physically go and distribute to every single home. I'm also not going to have a big impact on that. So in speaking with him, I was like, listen, do you know of something, how it is that um, what I can do from my side, because I have access to be able to get the stuff at cost price, which would then be able to make it easier to get, um, you know, a, a large amount of food together. But getting the stuff out can be a problem. Um, and it's mm. from that that we then got in touch with Ladles of Love and we were then able to identify that they do like um, distribution of foods. And that was the biggest thing for me to be able to know that when it is that we are taking people's money, because that's what we're doing. We're asking people mm. to give us their money and some of them don't even know us, give us their money yeah. and let us go and buy people food. Um, and they, they need to be, There needs to be a, a, you need to be open and and transparent about it. And the best way for me to do do that was to partner with somebody that is already doing it, that has got a very good um, track record and have Mm. got impact on what is it that needs to to happen. So we partnered with Ladles of Love and we distribute um, food parcels via them. So what happens is people can purchase a Let's Feed the Hungry um, box for as little as a hundred grand. It's a combination of about 13 fruits and vegetables, not just vegetables. Um, not I'm not taking any away from anything that anyone else does, but you can't just eat potatoes, onions, and carrots. It's just not, that's not all there is. Um, there's oranges in there. There's some apples in there, some pears in there, some larches in there. You've got to have a balanced diet. I mean, the whole thing of five a day, you've got to eat your colors and you've got to eat at least five vegetables a day. And if you're just going to have five potatoes a day, I mean, that's also not going to be healthy for you. So we partnered with them for them to be able to then distribute um, the fruits and vegetables. It's not something that we push very hard. Um, As you might have noticed, in the beginning when we opened up, we did. We allow people to purchase as they do. We also um, contribute a portion from, from our earnings. We contribute ourselves and we don't post anything on our social media. So we will never, ever post anything that says we have done this. We try not to take any credit for it. we rather let everybody know, personally, if you've donated, we'll send you an image of us delivering the stuff to Ladles of Love so that you can at least know, okay, cool, my stuff got where it needed to get. Um, and that's, that's as much as we, we, we can do at this point in time. But slowly but surely, as we are growing, we're hoping that we can do more. One of the things that we'd like to do a little bit more, although we have worked with Lab- Ladles of Love, is also to focus a little bit more on our local community. Um, here in Malmersburg so those are plans that we are looking at um, to try and there are some feeding schemes that are here that are currently going um, but it is something that we'd like to do to try and focus a little bit more on our local community but weekly we are currently delivering to ladles of love um, where they're getting some of those fruits and veggies for their soup kitchen and yeah then they can distribute that and we know that at least that's going to the people that need it the most
0: what I love about this is it it, it really um, emphasizes the importance of creating an ecosystem yeah. within business amongst uh, NPO's, NGOs and business owners. And I mean, you're a small business and then to still find the time to say, um, who can we partner with um, who's already doing something and we can just amplify or contribute as best as we can. Um, and also, I mean, I think for the listeners, it's it, when you when you're sitting at home, you like I wanna buy my food wherever I get it. But it is great if I have the finances to contribute to something that's happening. And I think it's great that we can go onto the website and see how to get involved. Uh, so I just wanted to then move to um, collaborations. Because this is one form of collaborating. And so I believe you've collaborated with other small businesses. We've got some almond breeze on the website. Mm-hmm. We've got Himalaya salt grinder, mm-hmm. surf fruit, Ubuntu extra virgin olive oil, all these great, this great variety of, of different um, products that we can get on the website. Why, would, why is it important for small businesses to, to collaborate with each other?
1: Oh, you know, one hand washes the other, honestly. Um, there is, you've got to recognize your strengths. And if you are thinking that you can do everything, I'm sorry, like it's not going to work. There is a saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, go together. And that is really the, 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 the actual the work, the actualization of that is speaking to your strengths and seeing what it is that you can offer. And that's why you got to know your business. And I think that is so part and parcel of my journey is knowing exactly what business I am in. What exactly is it yeah. that I am doing? Yes, I'm yeah. selling fruit and vegetables. But what I've realized more than anything else, outside of selling fruit and vegetables, what I'm doing is I am getting healthy food to people. So I, can, mm. I am a conduit to get things, healthy things to people. So there are brands... That don't have the the capacity or don't have the distribution channel um, to be able to get um, th- their things to customers, and I have the platform for that. I don't have extra virgin olive oil that I can source by myself or make by myself. I don't have um, juice shots that I can you know make by myself and deliver it to people. I don't have those things. I don't have nuts that I can just source and deliver to people. But there are businesses that are doing that, that would like to expand you know, their customer base. So with working together with someone like Ubuntu Extra Virgin Olive Oil um, to deliver in Cape Town, I mean, it's just knowing our strengths and knowing their strengths and then just leveraging those two and working together. Does that mean I need to take a little bit of a lesser a profit margin yes it does but what does that mean for the ecosystem it just means that there are more brands that are participating people are eating a lot healthier and if they grow i grow i mean ayanda always loves to say um a rising tide lifts all boats i think it's one of the coolest sayings um that i've heard from him and he's got a lot of them. um but so if <laughs> we are helping each other like i mean It's just going to be to the benefit of everyone. We need to realize that everything's ecosystems. If you kill a mosquito in an ecosystem, Mm. that whole entire thing gets messed up. So if you're a mosquito, play your part as a mosquito. If you are a frog, Mm. play your part as the frog. And that doesn't take anything away from you you being a frog. There's no one else that's a frog. It's only you. So be the best damn frog that you can be. As cliche as that, that sounds... That is exactly what we've done as far as the partnering is concerned. So we're continuing trying to look for other brands that we can work with that whether they have their own distribution channel, whether they don't have their own distribution channel. The thing is we want to be able to have a place where people can buy healthy foods. Yes, there are people that are doing it, but I want to do it as well. And I want to do it the way that (laughs) I do it. And I want to do it with the people that I want to work with. So, we are hoping that through our collaborations, we're going to be able to build more businesses, and in building more businesses, we're going to make it more competitive, and making it more competitive, we're going to make it easier for the consumer, who is a wider choice, and essentially, then they can be more accessible to food.
0: I can hear the little one in the background agreeing like, yes, dad, tell (laughs) them, please. (laughs) I mean, I would like to ask what informs your decision behind choosing who to collaborate with Um, when you choose the different brands? uh, What really goes into that
1: particular thought process? Please just walk us through it. Two parts. Um, Mm -hmm. One part is they say, hey, Mr. Fresh, we've got a brand and we want to work with you. And it's like, okay, cool. What Mm do you guys do? See what you do and we'll consider it. Um, The Mm -hmm. other part is we look at our needs and we look at what it is that our customers are looking for. So we Mm -hmm. have had customers that have been looking for almond milk. um, And Mm -hmm. while we tried to look at small black owned businesses first, Mm -hmm. it's not always possible. So we need to look at, okay, yes, we've got our customer that wants this kind kind of product. We'll start and we'll look and say, okay, cool. First, black first local first? Is there something that can be produced by a black person locally that we can source from them? If we can get that, great. If we can't get that, okay, we move on to the next level. The reason why we try to do that is not because we think that um, you know it's only black people that we want to support, it's only black people we want to buy for. Not at all. The reason why we want to do that is accessibility issue again. There are so many brands that can grow to levels that are much bigger than what we've been allowed to in the past, but they don't have access to a lot of things. So I'm one of those brands. <laughs> it's not like I'm some savior coming in and it's like, oh, all black brands, follow me. I am one of those black brands that don't have access to a lot of things. I know what it's like not being able to get onto a supplier database for a particular company because I don't have my ducks in a row. Not because I can't, I don't have the finances. I don't have the resources for that cold supply chain to be unbroken from start to finish in order for me to supply to this massive company of 500 kitchens across the Western Cape. I know what that is like. So, I look at brands that are black-owned, local, locally owned here in Western Cape first when I say locally I mean the Western Cape and try to see what is the best way that we can collaborate. What is the best way that we can work together and see if there is a way that I can do something that they need and they can do something that I need. Now, it's not always possible that you can go down that route. And it's not to say that that's the only route that we go. No, not at all. We try to go that route. But a lot of the times you find that there's this particular brand that you want to work with, and unfortunately, that brand's just not ready. That brand doesn't have Mm. packaging. Um, the brand doesn't have their um, logistics together. They don't have their um, – their, their, their supply is is um, irregular. That's the word, yes. Their supply is irregular. Or whatever the, the issue may be, there, there are some issues. So then we will go and we'll have a look at other brands. But that doesn't mean when a white brand, which happens a lot, a white-owned brand comes and says, hey, listen, I want to sell stuff via um, you guys. Will you stock my products? We're not going to say no just because you're a white-owned brand. No. We'll, we'll, we'll look at you and we'll say, yeah, we'll consider you, and then we will stock you. If it is that it's something that we need, that our consumers need, we will stock you. But when we go looking for a brand, and we want them to be listed on our website, we try to go black first, local first. Because I'm black, I'm local, and if I don't support my own, my own's not going to support me either. Sure. I
0: love that. I love the black first. Local first, and we're sort of seeing that come across um, across the country, a conversation, a really important one that's probably been happening for years, but I suppose because of COVID, everyone's had time to stand still and pay more attention to how many local small businesses am I supporting? Because we obviously want to see a growth of small businesses going beyond small. <laughs> we want it to be small businesses with a legacy Absolutely. beyond just making it through the first year. Exactly. You know, so I think congratulations, firstly, to Mr. Fresh for for getting to the point where they're able to make a profit. Because that's the reality of being a small business, right? Is most small businesses don't make it past the first year of operation.
2: Yep.
0: Um, and that's that's another truth that at times is overshadowed by the success of small businesses. So I really love that through this conversation we've been able to to go through the the um what is it the ebbs and flows um mm-hmm. of doing business. It's not always um, this high rising tide. There are times when hmm. um it really pulls it pulls back. Um and so I I, I think that the question around um cultivating an ethical business environment is quite important, right? And I don't know what your thoughts are when it comes particularly to the SADC um, community, how small African businesses can contribute to cultivating an ethical small business. We do see the exploitation that tends to take place at times, you know, by big conglomerates and Mm. as much as we're small businesses and want to see growth and profit, uh, I think we don't want to necessarily repeat the mistakes of what we're seeing happening by um monopoly businesses. Um, yeah. you know, you touched on the labor market earlier on and how at times uh the labor rights are, are not followed, um, there's a total disregard. Uh I mean the wine sex the wine industry in in, in Cape Town, need I go further. Hmm. Uh so as a small business, uh, how, how important and valuable is that to you?
1: Yeah. You know, that's such a tricky thing. It's so incredibly mm. difficult at times. Um, I mm. found that it's easier to be unethical than it is to be ethical. Mm. And you get less flack with being unethical than you are mm. with being ethical. And that's such, it's so weird, it's so incredibly weird how that happens because, you know, you want to try and be as ethical as possible with the kinds of products that you source, um, making sure that the uh, quinoa that you are getting is not, you know, from child laborers out in Bolivia as, as opposed to, you know, an ethically sourced place. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I asked the question, am I going to sell quinoa? Because if I do, I mean, the demand that it's created across the world has mean that that once yeah. staple grain that everybody was eating in Peru as just this ordinary thing, they can't afford it anymore because it's just too True. expensive <laughs> because the demand is so incredibly high that it needs to go across uh, to the other parts of the world, to the, to Europe, that needs to, go to, you know, to the U S um. So it's very, very difficult Um, where you've also got to, you know, be sitting in that position. It's like, but I've also got a business to run. I've also got, you know, my customers that I need to have a look at, I need to look after. And I think one of the things that I have, um, it's from my dealings in this COVID time as well, was where we did a collaboration with another company and they were talking about doing, um, you know, these vegan um, burgers, hamburgers, Um, And he was saying, the guy that I was speaking to, he was saying, you know, it's a lot more difficult to make that vegan burger and to source those things, etc. But that little effort that I'm putting into it, it's, it's, it's worth so much more in comparison to doing it the easy way and doing it the way that is like okay how things have been done and when you talk about the fourth industrial revolution which i don't think we're ready for that in any way in right. because <laughs> two ir and three ir is barely even there um we, those are the kinds of decisions that we need to be making those are the pioneering things that we need to do yeah. so we need to look at okay when you are paying you know your um the, the people that are working for you employees You need to pay them a livable wage, not just a minimum wage. And as difficult Mm. as it is at times, because like you're watching this money flow out of my account, I can't really afford to pay that right now. You know, the value that you get out of knowing that you, one, you've paid the the person correctly, two, Mm. just what you're putting into this business, it has to come back. Whether you want, whether you like it or not, it has to come back because now you've got so much more invested in this than just, okay, it's a money thing. It's just like, you know, something that um, I can do for the sake of. If you're going to actually invoke change, you're gonna start to invoke change. And that's gonna start with the kinds of, how it is that you operate your business, how it is that you do things. When we as a black community, if we are going to be as ethical as possible, we need to be able to know ourselves. We need to be able to look at our brand and say, okay, cool, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And we need to work together. And it, I know it's difficult. Like, I mean, I think it was Childish Gambino. The, um, it's like, yo, man, I can't worry about investing money. I'm hungry. i got to eat now. You know, you, mm. you can't worry about those, the bigger picture. You've got to worry about selling this thing so that you can eat now. And those are part of the pro- par- parcel of the problems that we need to deal with. Um, unfortunately in this time. So being ethical, it is incredibly difficult but it is worth it yeah. at the end of the day. So we try to, wherever it is where we source our products, we try to have a look and to see where does it that come from? Who is the farmer? Does that farmer look after their people? How is it that they are working together? We try to source from black farmers in the Western Cape. It's so incredibly difficult um, to be able mm. to, to get, because this is the toss-up again. I can go to this one particular black farmer where I can go and get spinach, but then I only get spinach. Whereas if I go to... This farmer, he has got this, that, that, and the other thing. It brings my cost, my operational cost down, and it allows me to actually actually turn a profit and to actually, you know, make business and do exactly what I'm in to do this, and that's to make business. Because if this business doesn't work, all that good that I'm trying to do is going to be for nothing. It's just going to be a time filler just for the sake of, okay, cool, yeah, That's not why I got into this business. That's not why I'm doing what it is that I'm doing. So you can't fill an empty cup or fill a cup from an empty cup. You've got to first look at home. But at least what you need to do is just be conscious of what it is that you're doing. And that's what I try to do. And that's what we try to do um, with the business that we're involved in.
0: Shucks. I think, you know, you the land question, right, which is obviously a discussion for another day in South African context. When we talk about black farmers, uh, that's, yeah, that goes hand in hand with with, with, with Mr. Fresh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, As someone who is a, I wouldn't say health nut, uh, (laughs) but I I love good, wholesome, healthy food. And so I wanted to find out which other countries within SADC um, is Mr. Fresh looking to collaborate with. Because I'm all for tasting different foods from our neighboring countries. And it would be so great if I could just go into Mr. Fresh and, and you know, I'm able to order uh, something that, that hails from Malawi, mm. Namibia. Yeah, so I don't know if you've thought about that um, and creating that kind of ecosystem across the borders.
1: Yeah, you know... Um, That is, it's something that we really want to do. Um, I, in my infancy of business knowledge, I'm still learning a lot about import and how exactly all of that works, um, particularly around food products. Um, The kinds of red tape, unfortunately, that we get with that with importing food products um, and making it available to people in South Africa does make it difficult but it doesn't mean we're going to stop. It doesn't mean that it's not something that we are looking into. And there is actually one particular brand. Um, I was, <laughs> I was on Facebook one late one night and just scrolling, and there was an advert that came, that came up on my newsfeed um, of this company called um, True AfriBites, and they do traditional African sweets. And I was like, what the hell is traditional African sweets? Like I know Mibos. like that's about it. That's the only traditional African sweets that I know as far as that's so like, concerned. So I went and I had a look at them and they, they do an range of like sorghum biscuits. Um, they do Mopani bites, chili flavored. They do it plain. They do it chocolate coated. Um, and then they do something called roasted Jugu beans. Um, so all sorts of like little treats and snacks that you can, that you can have Um, that are healthy, gluten-free, as natural and raw as possible. And this is one of the companies that we are hoping to work with. So um, Sihometi from um, True Africa Bites, we have been in contact, and they're from Botswana. Um, We've been in contact Mm. with them, and we're hoping that we'll be able to list them onto our website as we are growing, because we are currently in phase one of this whole digital um, expo, digital introduction, I guess, or digital space that we're working in, where we took the fresh fruit and veg online fra- away from like WhatsApp, um, but rather to an online space where you can buy it from a website. And as we are growing, we are, as you've seen, we've add different products that's not just fruit and veg. And with True Africa Bites, we want to be able to add their snacks, um, excuse me, their snacks onto the website. So that's the first company that we've looked at that we'd like to work with. Um, as far as the African context is concerned. But we are excited to work with other brands. We're excited to work with, hopefully, with Namibia. I mean, I'm from Namibia. Um, Well, my family's from Namibia. I'm not from Namibia. But technically, I'm from Namibia. We're all from somewhere, right? My my great-grandmother is a Nama woman from Namibia. And there is not really much that is happening there as far as health is concerned. Health food is concerned Mm. from what I've seen. Now, somebody, please don't don't hold me to this. And if you know something more than I know, please do reach out at me. My number is 0740120820. Hello, and Mr. Fresh, and tell me about you. I want to know. Um, but from what I've seen, you know, Namibians, they love their meat. They love yeah. alcohol. Um, so the brands that you are seeing that are there, it's quite – You know, a bit off the beaten path from where it is that we are looking and what we're trying to focus on. Um, Mm. But if there are African brands, I mean, on the African continent that are looking to have a um, distribution channel in South Africa and particularly in the Western Cape, it's very important that these brands come to the Western Cape. Um, mm-hmm. that is something that we are very, very open to, and we would, l- we'd love to, uh, you know, have that part and parcel of our expansion plans as we go into phase two, um, introducing, you know, more food um, products, um, and also, um, products that you can be used for baking that can be used for cooking, um, and onto food three, uh, phase three, which is the introduction of, um, clothing products, skincare, cosmetics, Um, any sort of beauty products as well. So if there's any sort of brand that is out there that is listening there, please get in touch with us. We'd love to work with you guys. We'd love to have, you know, um, you consider us. Please, you know, do us the honourable thing. uh, Not the honourable thing. Give us the honour of being considered, of working with you guys.
0: I love that you're so open to collaborating um, with brands across the African diaspora because... I think that's what it's really about, right? Uh, Migration is here to stay for quite some time. Mm. Um, We are all looking to visit, whether it's Ghana, um, whether it's Tanzania, and you're there for a week, three days, a month, a year. Um, These are things that are now just part of, you know, this globalized world we're living in. And at times you, you do want a little bit of home. As much as you're enjoying that country and what it has to offer Mm. you you do want a little bit of home and and a space where you can um order and 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 have that be part of you so i'm really glad to hear that mr fresh is is it's got that mindset so now when it comes to the food sector Mm. what are some of the opportunities you think are yet to be explored in food culture
1: Sure. I think the, the the meal kits in South Africa, there's one or two mm. companies that are doing the meal kits and they're doing them very well. Um, mm-hmm. They're a little pricey, but I mean, mm-hmm. for what it is that you are getting, there are a lot of people that will say that it, it is worth it. Um, and They're willing to pay that price. And just the fact that there are a large number, amount of people that are willing to pay for that, it just tells me there's there's a lot of Opportunity that is there in the meal, mm. um, and this is not just uh, you know to jump on the bandwagon, if I can put it that way. It's like, no, oh no, you know, African foods, oh you know, traditional foods. It's it's not about jumping on the bandwagon. It's really about, mm-hmm. and it's I, I don't know why we still need to explain this, but representation is something that's very important, um, and being able to participate in a trade. Not as just an urban brand or an African brand or an added extra, but this is also another food that we are eating, that everybody is eating. Yes, it introduces people to, to it as well, but this is what we are eating and now we can buy it without having to make it by ourselves. At our home, we can buy the, the meal kit box, cool, everything gets in there, We get, it gets delivered to our homes and boom, bum bim, we can then make it. As far as that is concerned, that's one of the opportunities that I, that I really see as um, something that is going to still grow a lot, a lot more. And then the general online space, um, I really feel like more people are migrating to purchasing food online. It was traditionally you know, a place for electronics, traditionally a place for um, bigger items, for things that you're going to import or things that you're going to get from Joburg or speciality items. But I really feel like the online grocery store is going to become so much more of a everyday thing where you can rather get your groceries from just around the corner because there's an online store in your area that delivers to your area. So those are two things that I I see. I mean, I could be completely wrong and I could be blowing smoke, but that's just what I see um, as the opportunities as far as the food and the health sector is concerned. Then if I may, then there is the aspect of creating, actually manufacturing, I mean, there are so many different kinds of foods, like so many different kinds of, like, butters, nut butters, almond butter, Mm -hmm. chia butter, all sorts of different butters, and they can be manufactured and they can be made from raw ingredients that are, you know, available to you in your specific province. Um, And that is where we are going to, you know, tackle issues like accessibility and, you know, being able to work through the 2IR, 3IR, and 4IR of, um, you know, gaining food security and uh, participating in the economy. It's manufacturing our own foods. Unfortunately, with that, there's a lot of regulation that comes with that, fortunately and Mm. unfortunately. Unfortunately, in the sense that it creates red tape, fortunately that, you know, you need food safety. You can't just also have anybody creating anything, And this is something you're going to eat, especially now, especially now in the time where we are. We need to have, you know, these food safety um, uh, things in place. Um, But we need to be able to participate as well. And this is one of the things we want to do. Uh, This is more further, longer down the road. And that's agro-processing. But the, Mm. the things that go into that, you know, like as far as food safety is concerned, it's not a joke. It costs a lot of money and it's not easy. Um, but there's massive job opportunities that is around that because, you know, so many processes that are involved in keeping the food safe, and keeping the food clean and keeping, uh, you know, the, the health factor in check. Um, but making our own coleslaw, making our own julienne carrots, mm. making our own spaghetti baby marrow um, that we can mm. and we can send out as opposed to sourcing it. It just, it's, those are the opportunities, those are the things that are there where you can take and you're like, you know what, we can run with this, we can make this happen. And even if it is, uh, this is not to say like, oh, everybody's going to be making stuff. The moment we start manufacturing, you are opening up again an entire another ecosystem, packaging, logistics, storing, labels, printing All those kinds of things that come along with it as well because of, like, the regulation that comes with a certain packet. What needs to be on that packet? What kind of label needs to be printed on that? What sort of packaging is it that it needs to be? What sort of – all sorts of little things like that. Um, So, yeah, those are the three things that I see as, like, some of the main opportunities as far as the food sector is concerned um, as we're going forward.
0: Your response has Umse and I smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> Manufacturing is something that we are excited to see happen in South Africa and more okay. of it. And not just South Africa, but across the continent. Definitely. With the whole idea of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement Without a strong base
2: mm. um,
0: and that industrial force you're referring to, you know, before we even get to the fourth one, um, we're really not going to be changing much, right. but keeping things more or less the same. Right. So we 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 have this thing we like to do. I know we could go on and on and on, Vinnie. So <laughs> um, before we we we, uh, we we part ways, and I'm sure the listeners are also like, I want to get up and go grab something to drink or whatever the case is um we like to do this fun game on the show
1: okay
0: we ask all our guests uh and we've asked our listeners so please tweet us your responses uh which african countries can we find sheer butter and you cannot answer ghana or togo those have been taken by our previous guests uh care to take a guess (laughs) uh can i say west africa (laughs) we know it's west africa (laughs) but We know. In fact, we know that there's the African Sheer-Butter Bout, I believe. um, Roughly 21 countries, actually. So listen, from West Africa, 21 countries. <laughs> any any takers here? Any guesses?
1: Yes, now you are asking me, hey? I mean, my geography was possible in high school. Um, sure. Let me see, West Africa. West Africa. Um, no, I don't think that's one of them. Uh, oof, I'm gonna take a wild guess yeah. and please, this is so bad. Oh no, you're hate. you're this is gonna hate me. <laughs> um, Algeria, mm,
0: okay, to take another guess. Um, <laughs> There's one in East Africa. I'll give you a guess, and the Masaians reside there. The who? The Messiah people.
1: Oh, Kenya.
0: Yes, there we go. <laughs> Not West Africa, but they are one of the <laughs> one of the countries. Um, I don't know. So you know, so it might seem like a light game, but uh, you know, we never take the time at times to think about where do almonds come from right. in in Africa. Um, so here's the second one. This is one that's more tailored to your business. Uh, we know we can get fruits and vegetables from the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the fun ways we can actually use our fruit and vegetables apart from consuming them? So what are the products? I've, I've gotten avocados from you before mm-hmm. and they were great. Um, so what else? What? How could I use an avocado or I heard you mentioning something about a batter or a bar? I'm not quite sure.
1: Um, So I was talking about a nut butter. So almond butter. Ah. um, Almond is uh, can be used as a butter either for the skin or to eat just like shea butter as well. And also they make Ah. almond milk out of almond nuts. Um, Something that you can also, let me see, what is one of the fruits that is really great um, that you can use Oh ginger okay oh this week we kind of know ginger you know is great for nausea um you can suck on a piece of yeah. ginger um if you're feeling nauseated you can suck on a piece of ginger to actually help with your digestive issues um drinking some ginger water and lemon is very very good for your for your gut um your gut is also most where your second brain is so taking care of that is 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 very important with your with with ginger and with lemon um what was one of the things avocado hmm avocado you can really just you can put it on your face if you want cucumbers you can also put on your Mm -hmm. eyes um cucumbers is like 90 percent water um like much with tea bags when people take tea bags and they put them on their eyes to help with like you know the crow's feet and with the bags cucumber it's because of the moisture that is in in the cucumber you can actually cut that up and put that onto your eyes and that does wonders wonders for your skin yeah, I think that's thank is you, Vinny. Something that you can now
0: let have ideas. You know, mm-hmm. when we when we get something from Mr. Fresh, uh, there's more than one use. And so we've got just three final questions. Uh, the first one being: what advice would you give to someone who wants to start an e-commerce sort of driven business?
1: Somebody that wants to start an e-commerce-driven business, the easiest and quickest way that I've found to be able to put up a business within like a day. Two days, Shopify, straight up. Shopify. Hmm, Shopify. Okay. They're so it's so easy to use. Um, it really is. It it does cost a little bit of money. It costs about twenty nine dollars a month after you've used the um, the free trial for the first uh, three months. I think it is, um, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. It's drop and drag, click and add. There's no extra coding really that you need. There's no advanced techniques. So Shopify, definitely Shopify. Lovely.
0: thank you. And then the second question, because um, we spoke about the whole notion of ethical business, how huh? mm. it's sometimes a lot easier to be unethical. Mm. Um, and I can imagine when you've chosen the ethical route, the pressures of 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 your mental wellness, um, and the pressures of paying people, um, and seeing that money also leave the account, and and you know this just the. The, the admin around just doing business and being a business owner, what are some of the self care tools that you rely on um, as someone who's in, sm- in, in in small business sector?
1: Have a day, just have at least one day where it, you don't you don't do anything with the business so mm. we try in our family and I say try because I'm very bad with my phone um, but my partner tries to keep me in check as far as that's concerned to have Sunday to be family day. Um, to not do any business, not to answer any calls, not to do anything, and just focus on the family. Um, so really, m- don't just say oh, I'm gonna take the time. Make that time, like literally put it out and say this is what uh, this is the time where I'm going to stop. I have moved from working on my laptop in the room to only working in the office on the laptop, so that I can separate just mentally separate the two places where this is work this is bedroom, this is sleep, this is family, this is nothing to do with work. Um, so something small like that, yeah, just make some time um, available. And if that time is just you sitting, listening to um, audio loops that you've downloaded of a baby laughing, because that is one of the le- most stress-relieving things in the world. If I want st- to <laughs> stop stressing, I just make scale laugh. And that giggle and that laugh, <laughs> it really is your it takes a load off of your shoulders but just make the time
0: thanks vinny and then just lastly where can people find you where can they find mr fresh
1: so we are on mr Produce.co.za. that's www or without www i've realized as of late but mr fresh produce Co dot z a um, is where you can find us for our website where you'll be able to check out all our products buy any of our products we've also just launched a blog yay um, we introduced um, a first blogger um, which we will get some recipes and things um, that you can try um, in your in your in the comfort of your home and then you could also find us on Instagram which is mr fresh pro so that's, that's at mr fresh pro excuse me, we will be on Instagram. And then on Facebook, we are on Facebook with Mr. Fresh CK. So that's Charlie Kilo, Mr. Fresh CK. And then you can also find me on WhatsApp. Um, If you are on the website, if you click on the little WhatsApp button, you'll go straight to my telephone and you'll be able to to speak to me. But if you want to call me or SMS me or WhatsApp me, it's 74 1208 to zero. If you want to pay me a visit, you better have a permit and you better be delivering products. That's the <laughs> only way that you can pay me a visit here in Malmesbury.
0: <laughs> Alderman, David, thank you so much for sharing. Um, thank you for taking the time to, to walk us through your business journey. And before, obviously, thank you to the Bambino for also joining us um, on the show today. Um, but most importantly, before we also let you go, we just want to say thank you to your mom and to mm-hmm. your partner. They are on the front line and we are so grateful for the decision to, to serve, I suppose, the nation um, where they've been placed. So please do thank them from the Lorenzo team and I'm sure from our listeners as well. Uh, thank you so much, Vinny.
1: Thank you very much, Micheline. I appreciate it. I'm honoured, I really am, that you guys consider us as a business to be able to um, speak to you guys. And thank you for the ear that you've provided in listening to my long-tongue. I have much, much, much appreciated. Thank you for the opportunity that you guys are creating. um, And I hope that we will interact a lot more as well with you guys and the team and the other brands that you guys are um, going to be speaking to and just following your journey as well in doing all of this and having this conversation, which is something that we need. So I'm very thankful. Myself and Nebaske is asleep, but he thanks you guys as well. he's now fast asleep but he thanks you guys as well um, for the effort that you guys have made in contacting someone like me out of nowhere you know this little brand just sitting here chilling he's like hey let's go and speak to that guy <laughs> so thank you very much it's it's really it is it's it's wonderful that you guys considered me
0: it it's a pleasure and I think what's fantastic about this episode is it's reflective of the reality of COVID we are all at home so to all our listeners social distancing was observed during the recording of mm-hmm. this episode. We were all at home and then being at home for most parents means having the little ones, the young ones, um, calling around and um, just there on your ear. Uh, mm-hmm. So I really love that this episode also reflected that and to our listeners, thank you for um, taking time to also listen to our young guest who was, who was part of this recording. Um, thanks, Alderman. and Until next week, I believe, Umlea would like to have a word with our listeners
2: thank you to Alvin Davids founder of Mr Fresh Produce for joining us today on our third episode our conversation was beyond informative as Vinny walked us through some of the challenges business owners in the food industry have had to face during COVID-19 but also the innovative solutions that have been birthed from this period of the pandemic we have also seen how small businesses are contributing to food security in SEDEIC. Vinny has highlighted business collaboration, access to food, importance of urban farming, consumer trust, and the mental health of business owners. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram, underscore africa on Spotify and on Anchor, Laranzo africa From Us to Mr. Fresh, thank you. And until next week, stay rooted.